Hello, and welcome to the Geekiest Podcast, where we sit around and talk to our friends about all things geeky, all the while giving each other geek points to determine who is the geekiest. Welcome to the Geekiest. My name's Joseph. My pronouns are he, him. Hello, I'm Kayla, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Will, he, him. I'm Farad Worldbuilder, he, him. I'm Joy, she, her. And I'm Insanity, he, him. Well, if you recognize two of those voices, you're a longtime listener of the show then, because we had uh, Farad and Insanity on about a year ago. Uh, but we are welcoming them back with joy to discuss a new project that they have uh, that they're working on. So, uh, first of all, uh, great to have uh, have you back on, and, and welcome joy. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad we're all back to talk. You know, I think when we talked to Farid the first time, the the pandemic was was just really hitting, and uh, we were trying to adjust to the world. It was. Uh... It was definitely an interesting time in life, that's for sure. Right. But so, um, yeah, I've uh, I've been following along. I've been listening to a couple of your podcasts here and there. You guys always do great stuff, and I'm really happy to be back on with you. Yay! We are really happy to have you back. When he reminded me that the show is today and all that, and we were talking about it, I was so excited to come back on here, just because you guys are so much fun. Hey, that's what we like to hear. And I, I am really excited to just be here and get to hang out with everyone. Uh, yeah, you guys seem like a really cool group of people. We try. We try. The propaganda <laughs> machine has been working. So I guess we'll cut your checks in a little while. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, so I guess we should start with uh, talking about why you guys are back. Um, and uh, we know uh, kind of the, the interaction between Ferret and Insanity, so we'd like to hear about how Joy is fitting into the team as well. Sure. So I'll, um, I'll start us off here real quick. Um, so when we, when we first met, um, I just started the, the Discord and the streaming and getting into doing all the online um, games and what, whatnot, and you know, coming up to, like you said, almost a year later, We've finally been able to put together um, a, a pretty decent team of people that we believe in, people that we have faith in, and um, we're coming up with what we're calling Magic Box Interactive, uh, MBI for short. It's um, going to be our platform for all the games that we run as a team and we do together and just try to grow and just really explore different systems and different worlds and all the, the fun fantasy stuff we all love. And um, where Joy came in was we met randomly. She popped into my stream and um, we just had an instant connection. We found we, we just enjoyed each other's just talking to each other. And um, I was just starting to run a game in a couple of weeks. And I sent her a message and I was just like, okay, so are you ready to dive in? Just, you know, two weeks later, she was acting in her first RPG and 
doing a great job. You know, there. I you don't know, know about that. I was I was making an effort. You know, it, it you could see the nerves the first couple episodes. And then we got to this one episode. I think it was episode five. It was just like a little 10 episode thing. It was a spooky thing called Echoes of the Mind, which I'm actually going to be running a second instance of in a couple weeks. Um, but it was the start of episode five where we were going to this person's house. It was this very spooky thriller and Joy's character um, was really close to this person. And she was the catalyst that started the role play to really get the ball rolling. And I said this to you at the time, even though I know you don't believe it, Joy, you probably still don't believe it now, but I don't. In, in the first <laughs> but thank ten, you. the first 10 minutes of this opening scene, this 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 guy Keith got murdered. And um, well, he actually he, he was killing himself essentially. And she let out this blood curdling scream of his name. And it set the tone for the rest of this episode and for the rest of this show. And, you know, I, I still believe to this day that that scream is what let the role play go from, you know, the 100% that it was to the 300% that it became. It expanded the playground. It, it really, really did. That is so cool. Joy, I'm giving you the first geek point oh, yeah. for that. As someone who absolutely loves and enjoys getting oh. immersed emotionally in a game, I applaud you. That's amazing. I, I am so flattered. Thank you. I'm actually <laughs> blushing over here and like shaking oh. air onto my cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, is, yeah. Uh, all I want to say is that um, what made that possible was the incredible uh, DMing and being able to set the environment and encourage the players and also the other players who encouraged just delving in and giving it your all and not being afraid of, you know, like getting embarrassed, just being able to dive head in. So it really was like seriously just the entire group pulling together. Yeah, it, it is really incredible how when you have everybody on the same page, a game can just become so magical. Exactly. That's a fact. It is. It's so it's so true. And it's it's tough to find those groups, you know, after a year of, of doing this now and looking for these groups and trying to find people and, you know, constantly scouring and searching and looking at other discords and talking to people and watching streamers. It's it's hard to find a group of people that will just it together the way you need them to and and it was i i got so lucky with this group they they found a way to just pull themselves and make this you know because there was a couple first time real role players in in the group you know yourself lily had done very little emma had done very little jane that was her first thing um uh, Sonic had had DM'd maybe once, so there was a lot of people that this was was first for, and you never would have known, never. You know, yeah, so it's that's really cool having having new people kind of lead the way. I think sometimes after you play for a while, um, and I've got some seasoned players that Joe and Will included. Like I don't know, sometimes you get a little comfortable, and you have to get some new players in there to like shake you up again. Yeah. Well, it, it's true, you know, I, um, so I, 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 like I said, I'm going to be running a, a second instance of, 
this this game. I ran out of Washington last time. This time I'm going to put him in Florida and see how it all plays out. But I told him, I was like, you guys have big shoes to fill. And I I have very high expectations as to what this show's going to be about because, I mean, I don't expect it to be the same as is what they did. You know what I mean? It can never, nothing's ever going to be the exact same, but I, I have some expectations that I really hope they can, they can live up to. And they're, they're pretty much all new players. There's, there's one person in the group that I've done some RP with and everybody else, one person did a little bit of DMing for me and everybody else is just they're new players for me. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, this is part of like the recruitment process because that's what we're still doing. You know, this this magic box interactive is we're we're on the lookout for people that can, you know, be part of it and and want to be part of it. Um, we're taking the TT and, you know, tabletop RPG and we're ta- changing the TT to theatrical thinking because we're not we're we're getting rid of the virtual to at least in in the games that i'm running you know i i know insanity when he runs his games he's still using the tabletops right now um but you know the first time i was on i spent a lot of time talking about fantasy graphs and the tabletop i was using the virtual tabletop mm-hmm. um i haven't used a virtual tabletop in months now and i don't think i'll ever actually go back to using one again i found that without them you just focused on the role play. You're not staring at the screen. You're not looking at a map. You're you're visualizing everything in your mind, and it and it gives you that much more need to have to be able to describe and show the vision. And it gives the players, um, you know, less time of just staring at sheets and thinking about what ability am I going to use next? You know, what am I going to do here? Um, it it just led to moments where you know we would have three hour sessions where i where i maybe said 15 words and you know 50 or maybe i talked for 15 minutes and everything else was just players just straight role playing and it it was just telling a story instead of focusing on the computer and everything else people were just looking at each other they added props in there it was cosplaying and it's it was so amazing and great to see and it really opened up my eyes to what, you know, tabletop games should be. And, and that's where I, you know, I came up with the theatrical thinking. It's just like, well, we don't need the tabletop. You know, we just need the role playing aspect and our minds. Well, here recently, I, I've kind of taken that idea. Well, not too recently, but with the new storylines that I've been developing. Um, the only reason I use tabletop is for dice rolling because not everybody had their own dice. Mm. You know, you run, it's a easy way to um, get everybody a set of dice to use. But I've kind of ran with that idea just because I did see the change in the stories that Farid was doing. Because I've been, Farid and I've been hanging out and talking for a long time now. I've seen his different DM styles and it's really opened up for him and allowed him to open up a greater play area, again, to use that term for the role players after he did get rid of fantasy grounds. Yeah. Well, I, I want to give uh, Farad a geek point for the, uh, the changing of the TT and TTRPG. I think that's a, as a great way to, to alter it um, and for to sure. approach, to approach role-playing games. Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I, I talked about it last time I was on about how one thing I found when we was using fantasy grounds and I was teaching a lot of the people over at Fancy Grounds College, 
um, that they got lost in it and they thought of it as a video game and just, you know, clicking on things instead of using your brain and, and just talking. Everything just led to a fight instead of just conversations. And, you know, when I sat there and I started writing out all these new games and I started coming up with systems for myself and stuff, I was just like, okay, so I'm going to have to build all these things in these virtual tabletops. It's just like, but what if I just got away from that? Well, you know, what if I just, what if I just didn't? What if we started using real dice and just make simple systems, simple character sheets? You don't have to worry about much, you know, just if you don't have anything else to focus on in regards to your character other than the personality, then it's going to just, you know, all you have to worry about is the role play. It's, it's almost as if you have kind of taken the idea of, of, of a LARP system and just made it virtual from, from, from my understanding of how most LARP systems work, where it's, you know, it's, it's all about the personality and, and the story. And, you know, I, I've heard some, you know, some uh, resolution systems are as easy as, you know, rock, paper, scissors. Paper, scissors. As an ex uh, LARPer, um, for Vampire the Masquerade, yeah, rock, paper, scissors is generally just the quickest way to figure it out. And yeah, you're right. There is a very big similarity there between them. It's just saying, I never thought of it that way. Which, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, up to and including, you said, you know, you had folks, you know, coming in costume. And I mean, that to me, I think that's always been an impediment to joining a LARP. Um, and I say that as someone who was part of a medieval reenactment group. That whole idea of showing up somewhere in public in costume was was at times a, a daunting idea and kind of kept me away from it. Sure. But sitting at home in front of a camera wearing, you know, wearing cool armor and and or, you know, whatever whatever the genre is would be less intimidating to me. And in this I, one I, Oh sorry, sorry. Go, go right ahead, Joy. I, I I don't mean to interrupt. Um I I do want to say as a player, um I don't even think that it it crossed many of our minds. Um, so once uh, and and Jane, she really set that precedent of yeah yeah uh, of kind of being able to show your character in that style. And we had all been doing it a little bit in our own ways, but hadn't take the actual plunge of portraying our characters as losing their sanity which they were um and once that happened it was just like a ripple effect and i i think that's like all it takes is not even that people are scared to just that to see an example of it and have it executed in a certain way just encourages everyone else to be like hell yeah i can also do that I, and, and I was going to, when you were discussing, when, when Farad mentioned, you know, that, that session where you screamed, you know, in a way, you know, as, as someone who runs, uh, you know, games, it's always, you know, there, you watch for people to do things that kind of gives everyone else permission to yeah, do those things. Exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you, you screaming opened up so everyone else could role play, uh, Jane. Yeah, you know, Jane. Jane, yeah. Jane going coming, you know, representing her character, you know, opens yeah. that door. Yeah. Um, what that I mean, was, she entered the game halfway through us playing in this game. We had somebody that had to leave. Um, they so we 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 killed off their character, and and I had somebody else that wanted to get into a game, so we entered her in, and she came in, and it was interesting because 
I was just like, I was describing at this scene and I said, and this woman walks forward and she looks like, and I went silent and everybody sat there waiting for me to describe what she looked like. And all of a sudden she popped into the chat on camera in this cosplay with, you know, her makeup, like, like the, the, the mascara dripping down her face and her hair all disheveled and her shirt oh, it was ripped. Brilliant. And it was, you know, the reveal, the, the, the shock and look on everybody's face. I remember the look on one of the other players, Lily, her mouth was just a gape, just like sitting there, just like, is this really happening right now? There were certain moments that just like, within this game where you saw that it took things to another level. Um, and it did for myself as well as a DM, you know, it's it, uh, it, it, them buying in as much as they did allowed me to really just, you know, give them that leeway. You, you, you know, Joseph, as a DM, you sit there certain times when people are in conversations and there's those lulls in their moments and they're talking and you don't know if you should interrupt or mm -hmm. if you should, you know, just start talking or if they're just taking their time and they're actually just their silent moment is role playing. There was never a moment in my mind after about episode four or five where I, you know, I had to interrupt any of these silences. I knew what the, what the players were doing. They knew what they were doing. And it just, it was a thing of beauty. It, it really was. Wow. That's wow. That is, that's really incredible. You don't hear about that a lot, you know, and I love that you're cultivating that. You know, and it doesn't take, you don't have to have an acting degree. You don't have to have, you know, anything like that. You just have to kind of immerse yourself and be encouraged by the DM and the other players. That's really, really cool. I like that there's a spectrum now. There's this all the way from those that want their, you know, their maps and their pages and their numbers and their inches and their all of those things. And that's fine all the way through to this now very organic form of role-playing that isn't quite getting up from the table, but is bringing so much to the table. I think that's really cool that you guys are doing that. Yeah, and, and you know, and I'm not saying that people that use virtual tabletops are wrong. You know, that's exactly it. There's going to be a market for, for all of these different venues out there. And, you know, in, in what we're trying to do, is have all those different markets in one place. You know, Magic Box Interactive for us, what it is is, you know, the Magic Box is the TV and the their interactive is is us. And you know, and you know, the the viewers will be the channel surfers and will be all the actors and you know, but you're gonna be able to find something different for everybody. You know, somebody will some people will be using tabletops, some people won't be. Some people will be running, you know, hopefully a love stories. Um, some people writing sci-fi or cowboy and westerns, uh, psychological thrillers. We're we're trying to get a vast range of people together. So you know, seven days a week, you can come to this this Magic Box Interactive and turn on a channel and and watch a show. So so this is going to be a you know something that like like um. I'm trying to think of an analogy for those out there that might not quite understand, like a like a Twitch kind of a thing, or a, a but not, but well, specifically for role playing. So you'll have programming all the time. Right. Go ahead, insanity. Oh, I've just no, it's fine. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, yeah. So you know, I I don't know if there'd be one or two shows a day, depending on how many people we can get on there that can share the same vision as us. Um, you know, because this is something that we do want to do as full-time jobs. We were trying to make this, 
you know, um, full productions with uh, house made music. We have, you know, for myself and another person, Josh, who's unfortunately not able to be here today. Uh, another person, Jeremy, who's not able to be here today, unfortunately. Um, we've been creating our own music for shows. Um, nice. You know, we're we're trying to give the full immersion. Um, you know, we want people to come and be there and be engaged. You know, we when I started running the Echoes, we didn't have an overlay. We didn't have the music or anything like that. And about halfway through, when the players started really getting into it like i said they 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 you know incited more in me and i went out and i got somebody to make an overlay and when i started uh, and i went out and i bought a like a, a keyboard and i started making music for it right away and you know josh started making music for it right away and when all those things came together um the the show it it, it took off from being you know just this this tabletop role-playing game but an experience that people at the end of it told me is something that they're never going to forget. You know, they, we had one of our players, Sonic told me that this is an experience that, that changed his life. Um, wow. and, and you know, it's, I, I don't, I, I don't know how this changed anybody's life. I, I know it changed my life and it made me, you know, see some different things, but I, I, I don't know, but yeah, but, but so the goal is to have people, on you know seven days a week where you can come and watch these shows be on twitch um turn them into podcasts as well as put them on youtube so turn this into a full-on business and just to touch on that there's one of the big goals for us is to have um sorry my brain stopped i hate it when that happens mine does that too (laughs) go ahead man no so yeah just go ahead sorry no, that that track. Do you know what I do whenever I forget something? This is a trick for anybody listening. Go go through the alphabet in your mind. When you get the letter of what it is you want to talk about, I promise you, you'll remember. It's an interesting approach. I've used it for years. I used to do, you know, back in the restaurant days when my servers would forget orders. This is the trick that I would tell them, and you know, ninety five percent of the time, it, would... it 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 did work. Actually, it did. There you um, go. So what I was saying is one of the big things behind what we're doing is we're trying to keep everything organically in our group. Like not like we're not just looking for people to pay to do work for us. We're looking for people that either in our group to lift up or um, people that we can meet and make those connections with that Farage's been talking about and bring into the group and make this like a cohesive unit that is creating this content that goes on Twitch, goes on YouTube, um, podcasts, maybe. The doors are really wide open for us, especially seeing the talent that we've got already. Like he was talking about Josh and himself making music. And yeah, we've we've got some amazing people already and it's just going to get better from here. It's like advanced ensemble community theater online. Very much so, you know. I love that. It's um we 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 hosted a couple um um improv nights. Uh we do lots of things where we get together and we play, you know, the let's tell a story one word at a time, just you know, little tricks and of ways of betting ourselves and getting more used to just role playing with one another. Um actually like speaking of like we we told this story uh, you know, one word story going back and forth. There was four of us in there of a snowflake. 
falling and the story was from the like like the the point of view of the snowflake falling down and it was such a beautiful moment and we we i think joy did that one go on for about 25 minutes or so that yeah, we talked it, about that it was, one it was actually yeah. I, it's funny, I was going to bring up the fact that we all would just together get together as a group and play games like this. And that story, it really, it went on for about 25 minutes, just a one word story. It was, it was really it was, neat. It was really fun. <laughs> and then I've, uh, I've come up with a new thing that, um, that I haven't started yet. It's, it's my new take on improv and a way for us to try out some of the games that we're working on and systems that we're working on and i'm calling it um fireside fables so I, I was out camping i needed to uh i needed to get out of out of home i've been home for too long and uh, i was getting stir crazy so i uh, i told my wife we needed to get out and we went out and we were sitting around the campfire and i was just you know sitting there thinking about things and I came up with Fireside Fables and I was like, okay, so, you know, we get four or five pe people sitting around, you know, their computers and every story is about 45 minutes long and you've got five minutes to tell us what your idea is. And people just dive in, you're not, you know, you don't have time to, you know, make your characters beforehand. This is the idea. Somebody starts talking, somebody else joins in. Let's see where this goes. And, you know, I, I, I think it'll I think it'll work well. I I don't know how we would do anything with the dice system for it because I, I don't know if everybody would want to just do it like a one off dice system for it. Um, but I thought it would be really interesting to just see how people can dive into these stories off of short outbursts or, or short um, descriptions, kind of like, you know, whose line is it anyway kind of thing, but on a, a bit of a grander scale. Um, so that, that'll be interesting in the next couple of weeks, I'm planning on running the first one of those. I've got a couple ideas in my head for some, some stories that I'd want to run. Actually, actually, I guess I kind of ran a short one for us a couple of weeks ago. Didn't I joy when I ran that game? Yeah. About the, uh, the mental hospital, right? Yeah. But in the, yeah. in the, in the, there, in the psychiatrist ward. Yeah. So that's, that's another idea that I've been, been playing around with just trying to find ways for us to get more cohesive as a, you know, a role-playing ensemble and just better role players and actors ourselves. That's really interesting. That reminds me a lot of um, uh, a group when I'm back, when I was in the theater, we, a group game we used to do where it was the same kind of thing, but it was a picture prompt. Somebody would come with like a piece of art you know, or, or a picture or something that was just something that we felt compelled us in some way. And then somebody would start a story around it and everybody would like, you know, you'd get like five minutes or whatever the time was, same kind of thing. And then you would go around and each person would add to that story that was prompted by that picture. Mm, so very similar kind of a thing. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, that, that could be, you know, a good way to do it too. Just throw, throw a picture up for somebody. I might, I might have to steal that from you. Oh, you're, it is a very old theater improv trick. Um, I'm writing it down. Welcome right now. to it. You're absolutely welcome to it. It has taught me a lot in the past. I've seen a lot of great uh, scenes and and acting and stuff like that come out of it. I've seen uh, when I was in high school and we were doing it. Um, 
I've seen a couple of times where like we started where everybody was, you know, kind of just sitting on the stage mm-hmm. and we'd start going around like that. And before we knew it, people were standing up and starting to interact and like starting to, and it was, it was, it was really cool to see it happened a couple of times. It's really, really interesting. And it's, it gets, it gets super immersive with stuff like that. Um, I remember a theater director used to do things like, okay, this is the prompt, but this is the end result. So this picture, whatever it was, is a picture of the end. So how did we get there? Question for you. What was the most out there or absurd or strange picture that was brought in? Oh, geez. Ooh, you got to, I got to dig back into my memory now. Um, God, there were some interesting ones because we were all pretended we were budding photographers at the time too. Um, (laughs) There was like me. I, I, it hasn't stopped. I still pretend to be a photographer. I, I was saying, um, like you do, not <laughs> no, <laughs> not like you I do. Specifically, to be a photographer. You take pictures. You're a photographer. This is true. This is true. Thank you, Will. I I, I tend to downgrade my stuff, but I do I do love my photography. Um, I think if I if of the ones that I remember, there was one in particular that was a picture of. It was like, how do I describe this? It was like a frame and a little girl on the other side of the frame, kind of sitting with her elbows propped up on the frame and her, and her head, you know, like on top of her hands and behind her. And she was very, it's very gothic macabre kind of thing. And she was like, you know, the streaked black hair. And she just had this very blank look. And behind her was this like dark, dark sea with these like very odd, um, like the only thing I can think of to reference into is kind of like a Cthulhu-esque uh, setting where it was like this stormy sea with these weird ships mm. in the background. And they looked like they were kind of uh, uh, floating away or, or, you know, they were leaving wherever it was that they were. I think it was the one that's the one that sticks in my head anyway. Okay. Well, I'll give you a geek point for remembering that. Much yeah, that was hard. The picture. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for me, that's difficult. My my brain doesn't remember the past well. Um, <laughs> so you know it had an impact on me. Uh, if it did. Um, I remember that our stage director used to do stuff like that when he was trying to break the ice uh, between actors when there was like a scene that we had to do either for an assignment or for a show. Um and this was when I was at Hollywood Performing Arts, um, to like, if there was like a, a love scene or a fight scene or, uh, you know, something that was, was very deep or had a lot of conflict, we would do little scenes like that, little improv scenes like that to like break the ice between actors if they hadn't worked together before. That's funny. When I, when I was setting up the improv, um, what I did for it is I, I just took like a, um, a, a bingo wheel and I put 30 uh, scenarios out there and I made another one, 20 different, you know, personality traits. And, you know, one of the scenes that I put out there is, you know, it, would, it was just going to be for two people and it's somebody in a hospital dying. You're, you're in there for somebody's last breath. And oh, wow. this, I, this was the, I, I wanted this to get rolled so badly. And it never got rolled. It never, so I never got to see that one role played out. But, you know, those are the moments that I want to see people role play out. I want to see people role play emotion. 
I don't, you know, we can, we can all talk about, I sniff the air and I, this, 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 you know, we can role play our actions, but I, I, I know that the people that we have can do so much more than that. I know that they can bring this emotion to the table when, when needed. And so I, I put that in there, just, you know, hoping to, to get this out there and then roll a couple of the people and see what they could do with it. And it, it, it never came to, but one day, you know, we'll, we'll do it again and it'll get rolled eventually. And, you know, but those are the moments that I, that we're, we're talking about with, you know, Magic Box Interactive, having the music there to, to add to the, the ambiance, the, the costumes, the immersion, you know, we want to, to have people feel these emotions. Um, you know, some of the comments that I got at when, when echoes, um the couple deaths that happened for for some of the players and you know the endings of it and things you know it it bred some real emotion in people and you know to to me that's the success that's that's what we want to do we want you know the way we we watch shows and we get connected to characters we watch you know television shows and movies you know, and nobody's gonna ever be able to look at Robert Downey Jr. Jr. Robert Downey Jr. be like, you're not Tony Stark, man. Like that mm -hmm. guy's Tony. You're Tony Stark. Yep. You know, we want people to look at our, at our at our actors and be like, you are this character, and they can do that. You know, by the end of Echoes, I looked at these people, and and you know, we started talking outside of the game, and I had to remind myself to not call them their in-game name because they became these people. Yeah, it's it is. It was a great that was it was probably one of my proudest moments ever to to finish that game. Not gonna lie. That's really beautiful. And did you guys did you did you tape this or was it all it live? Is, it's all on my Twitch. Yeah, you can go watch okay. them all on my Twitch. I haven't put it up on YouTube or anything like that. I am not good at video editing or things of that nature. So I just left it there. It's uh it's highlighted so it'll never go away. Um so if anybody wants to watch it, you can go watch it on my Twitch. I definitely recommend it. The players make it so worth it. That's really incredible. And I love to see how this culture of uh, theater of the mind and improv and, and getting into your characters is, is saturating the community in, in so many ways. Um, and actually, I don't know. You guys tell me if, what you see in this. Um, I see more people being able to be more brave in the real world because they're able to work on whatever it is that makes them nervous in the real world within this role-playing world. Oh, that's something that's been literally proven. I think um, just because people from exploring their own like gender sexuality to exploring different religions, to different ideologies, different, um, places and times even um increases your empathy and your understanding of each other it allows you to do practice runs basically and get better at speaking better at handling these situations because you've handled them before this is just a different um arena for it so yeah i'm 100 percent believe that you know there's one of one of the the actors that's that's been in a couple of things now is um is a person named Oliver and I was running a game called Life AE that unfortunately fell apart because somebody had to leave and 
um, just a couple of things happened. But um, but Holliver is a they them. And when they played in Life AE, you know, this was their first time interacting with me. They'd never played with me before. And so when I asked them, you know, what are your pronouns for the game? They said they wanted to go by a she because, you know, people make mistakes too often, things like that. You know, we, they are going to be in the new echoes that I have coming up. And I asked them what their pronouns are going to be for the game. And for this time, they're going to be they, them, because they know that we're not going to mess it up. And they have faith that, you know, we're going to represent them the way that they need to be. And, you know, that's always been the culture that we've tried to represent over at our place. Oh, my God, I'm tearing up. That's amazing. Take your geek point. <laughs> that's, wow. That's what I like to hear. There's, um, I've, I've heard several podcasts with uh, both mental health professionals as well as educators discussing the value of role-playing games in their practices or in their classrooms. I mean, that's how I, I got into D&D because my brother's gifted teacher introduced it to the class, his sixth grade gifted teacher introduced it to the class um, because she saw the decision-making and leadership uh, building skills that the game taught. Um, and, and there's a lot of, of folks doing scholarly work to address the, um, you know, the therapeutic and educational value of uh, tabletop role-playing games in you know in those settings so and we find that teacher and give him a or her a geek point uh you know what uh if mrs funderburk is still amongst she definitely gets a uh a geek point uh a a a golden geek point because (laughs) without her without her having introduced my brother to it i wouldn't have been introduced to it and I, i i don't think i'd be outside the stretch of saying this podcast probably wouldn't exist <laughs> without all of that all, all those little steps coming together yeah there's a good chance we may not have been together because we connected very much so on on the role-playing level yep it's it's so funny how addictive it can be you know when when joy joined the first game it was at a time where i was getting ready to start a whole bunch of different things and i think within two weeks you joined four games <laughs> oh yeah it's just like i i said to her i said i i don't i can't take up every day of your life you know like you gotta you gotta still have a life outside outside of it but it it does it it becomes so addictive um so quickly take your geek point for being an overachiever so uh joy we we haven't got too much of your background so what got you into role-playing games what is oh. your origin story, as as we like to say? <laughs> Was it a radioactive uh, gamer that bit you? <laughs> I I wish I wish that it was that cool. No, it it seriously. So I I I started streaming on Twitch because I had just felt um, a loss, my own personal loss of community when I had to be isolated. So I thought, hey. The next best thing is to connect with people online. So I started streaming and connecting to people. And I raided um, a streamer who, when I was streaming at the time, I was doing Night in the Woods. And I was like 
trying to do my own uh, voice acting and just like delving into the characters. So we raided someone who was doing voice acting on Spiritfarer. And that was uh, Freya. And she directed me to Farid. And then the next day I saw that he was streaming. So I just popped in the chat. And I honestly forgot that it was Freya who directed me there. <laughs> but we just started talking and he told me that he was like a DM. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And at the time, I was actually pretty ignorant um, about tabletop role-playing games. Uh, I, I really thought it was just like Dungeons and Dragons. And I was like, oh, I've always been interested in D&D. And he was like, well, you know, here's the Discord. And I joined it. And then he talked to me about Echoes. And we joined up for our session zero, created our characters. And that was it. It was like, it was so fun to just like plunge right in terrifying but really fun <laughs> no, do, do you ever do you ever meet somebody and just like you know you you see that spark in somebody that if they're put in a situation you know that they're going to succeed that was that was a spark that i saw in joy when when we started talking and i knew oh, it was just that little bit of push nice. stop, stop. <laughs> no i i told you this from the start I mean, with that little bit of push i knew that you could really get your your role-playing shops out there and yeah. yeah honestly like i i i would invite her to every single one of my games at this point <laughs> we, well, have, and we have seen that throughout our history mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing <laughs> and i also want to chime in on the uh, benefits of role-playing there's actually a study that i read earlier this week that was uh focused on and for some reason mothers only but was focusing on the benefit of pretend play with children mm -hmm. and how pretend play increases behavioral benefits for up to two years. And I would like to argue that that continues through our entire life. The ability to act out scenarios with no like real life, quotation mark, like consequences, like has a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, how many of us, almost every one of us can probably say that we had an active imagination as a child, that we played pretend as a child or had imaginary friends or had that trunk full of, of dress-up costumes, yeah. you know? Like, My it's friends were not imaginary. <laughs> they exist, damn it. That's right. <laughs> they still do. What, they still and, do. And, and what do you mean, what do you mean used to? I still do on a daily basis. <laughs> Let me just go open up my Mr. Dress Up box over here. Uh -huh. <laughs> hey, if you don't have a closet full of costuming, you're just not living life to its fullest. <laughs> you are not wrong. Take your geek point, Will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I used to, I, not as much as I used to, but I used to have like an entire closet. Back when I was doing Ren Fairs for, for just costuming. And of course, it wasn't just Ren Fair costuming. But that's what we said it was. Um, <laughs> so how many of you were... Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, okay? Hey, I don't there judge. You know. I, I, right? On this, I do not judge. Definitely not. Only one out of ten. Right. Hey, as, if you want to send pictures, I will judge those, but I do not judge the chat. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, so, okay, who remembers the names of their imaginary friends? Me. What What was your imaginary friend's name? Peter. Peter. 
And was Peter an animal or, or, or humanoid? Human. Cool. Cool, I, cool. I didn't actually have an imaginary friend. Okay. I, my best friend growing up for the first, like, nine years of my life was my next-door neighbor. So I spent, you know, even as a kid, like, we took baths together. Our parents were friends, like, things like that. So I always, like, we were always together. That's cool. So you, so you had a real-life imaginary friend. I had a real-life imaginary friend. Yeah, I, I would say, it's a true story I made up. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I was gonna say I I didn't have I didn't have an imaginary friend. I had an older brother, uh, and then I had from like the age of four until you know he he was in town Yesterday? last no. week. He was in town last week, and we you know <laughs> ran you know ran you know made sure to to make time to to visit. So I never had an imaginary friend, but. Uh, I, I did borrow the neighbor's dog because we they didn't I wasn't allowed to have one until I got much older because of my my asthma. So oh. I had I had all sorts of interesting uh, adventures in my head with with Sam, the otter hound who lived next door. That's cool. That's awesome. I love Dude, that. I well, I gave have... you a point for yours. I'm going to give Joe a point, too. That was a cool story. <laughs> now I want to write a kid's book about a little boy and his otter hound. <laughs> what about you guys do you remember having imaginary friends um i didn't really like i didn't have imaginary friends like just somebody that walked around with me but i did personify my stuffed animals you know they okay. would all have personalities and like p opinions on things and if somebody was rude to them i got very upset because you don't hurt their feelings like that they have feelings too that's right <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. I'm going to give you a geek point for that. That's awesome. I, I thoroughly believed as a child that, you know, I had the Raggedy Ann thing, but long before Toy Story, uh, for those of you that mm -hmm. uh, are not as old as us, long before Toy Story, the concept of when the child left the room, the toys came to life was very prevalent in the Raggedy Ann and Andy stories. And I thoroughly believed that all of my toys came to life. They had councils. They talked to each other. When I got yep. a new toy, that toy had to be introduced properly to the council. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. So I, that concept for me came from, oh, what was it? It was about like this, this daughter that gets dropped off, but she has this doll left with her and she's at like this school for girls. And then her parents eventually die. But it's like the same concept, like it's a classic. If only I could remember the name. Why am I like the doll in the over? attic or something like that? Here, I'll I'll try and find That's... it while you while you tell your story. That sounds very familiar. I uh, but when I was younger, my room, uh, to my horror, was surrounded by a shelf along the entirety of it that was harbored by dolls, all of them, <laughs> and I was convinced convinced that if i did not pay adequate attention to each and every single doll that something terrible would happen <laughs> and uh i i really firmly believe that until i got rid of the the dolls and the shelf surrounding my room uh well, the real question <laughs> is, is did anything happen to you i mean no. I, I i yeah you know what did you pay in, adequate in, attention in my to dreams them? Yes. 
I sure and, did. And so there you go. Everything is correct because you did exactly what you were supposed to. We were all saving the world as little children. <laughs> that's, that's really my, cool. um, my wife was shown the movie Chucky when oh. she was about seven or eight years old by oh, one, of her, no. by one of her uncles. No. <laughs> well, of course it was an uncle. It had to be an uncle. It had to be an uncle, right? <laughs> And, and so she she had a little little phobia of that doll for for a while. Ooh, that's Jesus. that's not nice. No. Jeez. I mean, oh I know, goodness. I was probably about that age when we watched uh, Poltergeist for the first time at home, and yes, the reason I am afraid of clowns. Yep. Yep. yep, yep. Also, also, sorry. Go ahead. Tree, also, trees may not may not have branches that close to any window. Ever. <laughs> so speaking about just randomly old movies and stuff, we watched The Witches the other day. Do you remember that movie, The Witches, or the Brawl Doll book? Yeah. Yeah. They, they turn the kid into the rat. Yes. Or yes. into the mouse. Okay, yeah. So there was an original movie from back in the day. It was one of my favorite kids' movies ever. And they remade it, you know, not that long ago. So it came on HBO, and, and Sean and I went to watch it, and she had never seen the original. And we turned it on, and it was Chris Rock narrating this. What? And, and within ten minutes, I turned it off because it 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 it's it ruined it. I oh. love Chris Rock, but this this is a magical story about this little boy that stops this hotel full of witches and just like it does not fit the voice of Chris Rock. I was so disappointed. That's so I. I that I went back and I couldn't find it. So I actually had, I paid to rent the original one just so I could show it to Sean to do it justice. Oh, as wow. to why I actually enjoyed this movie. That's, that's crazy. Sometimes you can't, you can't remake, you know, the classics or you gotta, you gotta kind of, that's kind of how I felt about when Disney did Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Loved all of the actors individually, but this was not their lane. This was not the story I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not to go off on a, on a tangent here, which we never the, do on this show. The tangent, <laughs> the tangent um, about the tangent, we don't but, do that. But remember, they had just hit surprisingly well with the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And it was they were looking around the park going, well, what other attraction can we make a movie off of? Oh, I totally get that. And I loved that inspiration. And I love the fact that they went, we have all these cool rides that have stories to tell. Let's tell the stories. You know, and Pirates of the Caribbean did that very well. I just, I don't know. I think maybe because The Haunted Mansion lends itself to horror and it lends itself to spooky and scary stuff, but they wanted it to still be for kids. So they had to make it silly. And Casper had already done that. I I think was they leaned way more into the comedy than the spooky. Yep. Yeah, Uh, because they had to, they wanted to make it for kids. But you could still make it. I mean, I I think they could have made it for kids. Oh, I agree. Kept it spooky. Uh, I I mean, I I say that and the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, that Coraline uh, stop animation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they they could have done it. Here's the problem. You you can't sell toys. You can't sell toys for that. For Coraline? No, there for, are to- for, for haunted mansion for a spooky haunted mm. uh, spooky haunted mansion movie. You can't sell toys for that. That's a yeah. little harder. I I think I I would disagree. I think you definitely you know take the 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 three ghosts 
that uh, wait for you at the end. Spoil, sorry, spoiler alert if you have not ridden either Haunted <laughs> you know, Mansion. You know, <laughs> if somebody had got me a dollhouse of the Haunted Mansion, I would have played <gasps> with that. Oh my god! I would have the Lego set. <laughs> the Haunted Mansion Lego set based off of the 2022 Haunted Mansion movie written and directed by Joseph Hawk. That's all I'm saying? Yes! <laughs> That'll cost you seven thousand dollars, probably one dollar yeah, right. per piece. <laughs> yeah, right. right? Yeah. Oh my god, what Lego sets are costing these days are scary. Um, That's without the the uh, additional graveyard set that attaches <laughs> to it, which is another. You have to have expansion packs. <laughs> Everything wonder, is, is DLC nowadays. <laughs> is there is there a haunted mansion made by right EA? Now? I do. Ooh, then we're gonna get uh, pay for play boxes too. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I, have, I have to Google this now. Did you ever think about this? I read this the other day, just to keep these random hatches going. Do yes. you ever think that Lego humans or Lego people live in houses made out of their own skin? <gasps> yeah, that's okay. Wait, what? Wait, what? I'm sorry. There were words, and I heard all of them, but they didn't oh, make. Like, okay. like Lego people live in houses made out of their own skin. That's a geek point for being really creepy. <laughs> I had never thought about that before, and that's wow. Same thing with the people with, with the gingerbread people live in gingerbread houses, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. This, this is this is true. That just made Christmas so much more interesting. <laughs> 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 to answer your question, there is no haunted. There is no haunted mansion yet. Lego yet. Yet there is a yeah. haunted house. Yeah, Disney a, has a bunch of haunted house, or uh, Lego has a bunch of haunted houses, but not the haunted mansion. Uh, I oh, it's a product idea. I'm sorry. They they did float a product idea back uh, for the 50th anniversary of the haunted mansion. Mm-hmm. There's a castle. You can get the castle. Course you can. But not the mansion yet. See, now we all need to like go bug Disney. <laughs> Give us the mansion now. Give us the mansion. Stop charging um, ex- like external access or extra access for us to watch the movies on your channel. That, that too. Thank you very no, much. I'm, 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 I'm actually okay with that because it's cheaper than taking four people to a movie theater. This is true. <laughs> when you have a big family, it uh, it definitely that- helps. That, it's yeah. like buying the DVD. You're not just watching it once. You get it. You get it. You're done. You can watch it 18 times over the next three months. Sounds I'm like okay someone's watched. So I was gonna say, sounds like someone has watched Raya and the Last Dragon 18 times over the last. <laughs> I have watched it enough to. Uh, we we have my youngest daughter's name is Raya. This is her movie. We have seen it at least a dozen times. <laughs> Amazing. At least. I, I, I but a... this is okay. I'm okay with this. So, so I, I, have a, I have a, I have a question. I don't know if it's because I'm of a certain age. Uh, I know everyone had stuffed animals and and stuff like that. But did anybody have puppets and or marionettes? Oh hell yeah, yeah. I did. I had puppets. I had some puppets. I was big into puppets. I loved marionettes. I have antique marionettes that were my great grandmothers that I still played with as a child. And I made my own marionettes. That's how much of a dork I was. That's a geek hey, point. Yeah, that's a geek point. I went first. Was that the first universal geek point? 
Maybe. <laughs> yeah, might all, five, all five people on the show outside of Kayla has said take your view. Yay! Wow. <laughs> yeah, I won first place at an art fair because I created entirely out of popsicle sticks. And I believe this was second grade, I want to say. Uh, out of popsicle sticks, I created a two and a half foot tall, fully articulated marionette of Pinocchio. Wow. See, I, I wow. wish my mom had been like you because I would have had the best Halloween costumes ever. Right? Oh, yeah. Ask my kids about their Halloween costumes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but I had a very creative mother, too, who discovered the uh, thousand stick box or 3000 stick box or whatever the hell it was of popsicle sticks and dropped it in front of me with a glue gun and walked away. <laughs> nice. Have at her. Yep. <laughs> too funny. Um, so just before we we get too far off of you know MBI or uh, the, the the talk insanity, do you want to talk a little bit about the game that you're you're working on? Well, I'm actually, sure. Um, I'll touch base on them. Um, I've got a couple of them I'm working on. Um, one of them is a. It's most likely like a two shot campaign. Um, and that one is based off of. Um, artifacts of power like has anybody ever went, read witchblade yeah. okay Apparently not. Um, so <laughs> basically it's these objects of power that have existed in my story they've existed for outside of measurable time um that people stumble upon or come across because of destiny and this group of people come across um some items of power and fall under the and get noticed by the wrong people and they have to figure out how to get away and or to stop this person in the one or two sessions that they get um and they don't it doesn't use like a a known system or anything like that i've kind of created my own system to go for it um, okay that's cool so you're you're just it, people sit down at the table and you go okay this is how it's done yeah it's it's I'm creating it to be something because I was inspired by um I forgot the name of the guy, but he put out like a hundred one shots. They're just like one page one shots. Um and the idea of it, it goes really hand in hand with what Magic Box Interactive is trying to do and what Farad's kinda led the charge on in going away from the numbers and the mechanics of the game and just creating a story. Um, with a, a basic premise, here's good versus evil or something, or, you know, what the important part is the interactions that happen along the way mm -hmm. and the character growth that happens between all the people. So that's one that you can definitely sit down with somebody, 10 minute little explanation, and then jump into the game. Very cool. I think that's, that's, it's good to have those kinds of things. I've heard more than once someone coming into the role-playing community uh, having only heard about uh, some of the more complex ones, Shadowrun, D&D, stuff like that, um, and been a bit intimidated. Yeah, and that's the thing with these. They only have to bring their creativity. Like, with the stories that Farage running, with the stories that... Because I'm one of the storytellers in Magic Box Interactive as well. Um, the stories that we're trying to tell are about the people in the stories, not about the numbers that they crunch to get there. 
Um, and that's why both the, the campaigns I'm working on right now and the one I'm running that I talked to you guys about the last time I was on here, um, that one I'm moving farther away from the numbers as well. I'm trying to transition it more into kind of the same idea that we're talking about here um, because I found writing less down ahead of time and just giving yourself that freedom to improv and make up stuff on the spot actually creates a lot of the best moments like that two shot that i ran one of the people literally told me it was the best one that they like the best campaign the best thing that they'd been in wow wow take a good point thank you very cool also take a geek point for the uh for, for for the notion or the the practice of not over preparing because that's mm-hmm. something i've had to get comfortable with you know with just how crazy life is and it's like you know what i don't need to write a novel for this week's session i'm gonna send you guys a picture of the notes that i made for when i ran echoes for the first time because i actually sent this to somebody the other day so i have this picture right here so I ran 10 sessions, 10 weeks off of literally these notes. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, One, ten, like two, a couple five, people. That's it. Like two sections, nine bullet points done. That, and that was, that was it. And because I had been doing this thing, you know, whenever, whenever I had a guess, like one of my games that can be run, I was doing one shots for my mind. It was a way for me to, to, to test my role playability as a DM as well. And so that's what I started to do with this. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm just, I made it simple. I made it on earth. So there wasn't a lot of stuff that I had to explain about the world or anything like that. You know what I mean? I made it mm-hmm. simple. And just, you know, I, I didn't plan anything every week. I maybe thought about one idea that I, that I would have. And, you know, if the players got to it, they got to it. There was one time where I named the session, I I named the session based off of the idea that I had, and they didn't get to that place until the next session. (laughs) So I had to rename the episode (laughs) because they spent too much time just role playing together and when they, where they were instead of moving forward, which was, which was perfect. You know, like that's, I couldn't have asked for anything better, but Uh I I was just like the less that I plan for this, the better. And it's, it, it does. It, it really gives you a chance to, to test your mental skill and to see what you can do, but also it gives you a chance to be a player in your own game. Yeah. Yeah. So it allows you to build off of what the players are giving you as well. Mm-hmm. So instead of having it all set up ahead of time, and if you write it all out ahead of time, there's at least a little bit of railroading that kind of happens, even yeah. unintentionally. Whereas if you don't, and like I, I when I first started DMing, I tried to over prepare and everything, and Fair's mm-hmm. like, look, just just stop just stop <laughs> yeah i, I and, said you know just write out some npcs yeah and it allows you to you know okay some a player mentions to one of the other characters that their character's dream is to get a hold of this one item okay cool now i've got that in my memory banks that mm-hmm. that's an item he's going to want down the road yeah. or something more immediate could happen and you're like oh like sometimes your players will be like God, I hope this isn't what's going on. You know, <laughs> thinking you're not hearing and you're like, oh, you know what? That's better than what I had. Let's yep. go with it. <laughs> yep. 
Absolutely. Geek point for that. That's, that is something that, and I want our audience to understand that even though we are, you know, talking about this very, you know, uh, freeform way of doing things, there's nothing wrong with, you know, using modules or having prepared stuff, but this is a whole nother world. And I think kind of a natural evolution uh, of, of what role playing is. Well, uh, I, I have to give Ferry to Geek Point just because he's the one that's inspired this change in my role playing. And he's the one that got me into D&D, like DMing, not D&D. I've been in that for a while, but he's the one that believed in me before anybody else. So it was his inspiration that led to these revelations. Yeah, the rise of the character arc. Something I, I've seen lately uh, in some posts and, and talking about, you know, gaming in general is to stop seeing the dm or the gm as not a player in the game when in reality we're you know we because I, I mostly dm we are just as much a player in the game as you know any of the player characters oh yeah uh, and i mm -hmm. and i definitely and i definitely think kind of what you're talking like what you're talking about like i do it all the time with the not safe for wizards podcast like i went from a, I did a lot of prep in the beginning mm -hmm. to set up the world and it's just been kind of like pieces here and there that I have in mind but then I get some juicy things from the players um which has you know has has taken us all over the place and and has also allowed since things are are prep light for me you know, when we've had to make a move because some folks, you know, have had some real world things pop up and they needed to take a break, it allowed me to pivot and make an explanation for why their characters aren't there other than the, you know, the occasional missing, you know, they're just in the backgrounds. But, you know, now it's there's a whole arc and that arc yeah, was that arc was never planned. Kidnapped my best friend and made my character cry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you the, the next the next great DM that we're gonna have is gonna be Joy. I uh, she doesn't believe it yet, but you know I I, see I, I I see things <laughs> I in people. So. I yeah. uh, you know we we don't have to talk about the idea about you know there was a, there was a day where her and I were it was like late at night and we were just talking about things and it was a very kind of like existential experience where we were closing our eyes and just talking about things. And she pitched me this idea for a game and I just, I saw it. I saw it right then and there that, you know, one day she's going to run, run one of these games for us and oh, is wow. just going to, to blow it out of the water. We can say we were here for the genesis of it. That's so cool. Let, let me just back up Farad's words, words to Joy. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do I will, it. It's I so will, much fun. I will do my very, very best. At the end of the day, that's all you can ask. <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, just the last little bit of MBI talk that I that I that I mentioned is the couple things that I've been working on. Um, so uh, when Echoes of the Mind when they started going, it was supposed to be just like a four week thing, and then everybody wanted to keep going more and more. So we end up going longer. And but I wanted it to end. I wanted it to have a finality. So. Um, what I did is I actually wrote a continuation to it called Life AE, which is Life After Earth. And um, that took them to a, a you know completely different universe. So I've, I'm creating this multiverse of worlds. You know, I, I can't say too much about 
what it all is because the people that that are going to be playing in life AA, I don't want to give them any spoilers um but it's essentially you know where they are in life AE is going to lead to so many different games and places and worlds and things so i'm i'm kind of making myself a spider web of um of games and worlds with a whole bunch of easter eggs from each of the different games like thrown into all of each other within this you know that. this um theatrical thinking or role playing and uh you know, it, it's interesting because we're talking, we were talking about how to, to over-prepare and under-prepare and, you know, life AE, when I did that one, I found that I had to prepare so much more because I was, I literally built an alien world and a civilization. Um, so I, you know, there is only so much of that that I can do off of the fly when I was trying to create something that I wanted to show them a vision, you know? if they were just going to an alien planet and just traveling along and maybe running into an alien like here or there or something like that, I wouldn't have to put as much work into it, but they're actually in this, like living in this civilization with them. So I had to, you know, come up with what is the daily life in these. We, we had to learn that culture. Yeah. Hmm. You know, what is the daily life of these, of these alien creatures? So that one I definitely had to do a lot more preparation for, but it was it was a fun preparation you know building a fantasy world was easy because i just pulled off of all the tropes that i know and movies and stuff that i've that i've watched and i've never been as much into sci-fi so trying to build this alien world was really really interesting and a fun challenge for me um and then the last one there's coming off of that is uh there's one that i'm coming up with that uh that's called the best of what's left which is a superhero comedy. Okay. Um, yeah. So imagine, you know, you're, you live in this world where everybody is born with superpowers. Um, so, you know, everybody's strong. Everybody's either super smart or super fast or super whatever. Um, uh -huh. And there's been so many wars that the world is now pounded flat. So you now live in a flat world because of it. Um, and the earth was finally cracking in half after all these wars, all these pounding. So they finally called a truth, a truce between the heroes and the villains. And they, you know, they combined their powers to find a way to mend the earth. They, they've been in a treaty for the last like two years. And this game is picking up where the truce is just finished. The villains um, have gone crazy and they have wiped out you know, there's squad A is the, the top squad and, you know, they've wiped out everybody down to squad. What are you squad? Squad S? Q. Squad Q. You guys are squad yeah. Q. So you guys are now the best of what's left. <laughs> oh, wow. It's such an exciting idea to be getting to play that one. And that sounds like so much fun. What I'm doing with the system is, is I'm doing failures as successes because, you know, you're not powerful enough to beat these guys. But if you miss, you're powerful enough to destroy the building behind you and have the per and have the building fall down on the guy and that can damage him. So ah, cool. this is going to be, you know, let's destroy worlds in as much comedic fashion as humanly possible where failures are successes and and have some fun with that. So those are the uh, the couple things that I've got got on the works there. Um, ex excited for all of them to to get going. Yeah, that sounds um, like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's really really interesting, and that's going to, you're 
are you going to be using your current Twitch channel? So, are you making a whole new Twitch channel? There is going to be a whole new Twitch channel coming out um, eventually. There has been some setbacks. We've had some um, people leave for personal issues. Um, we've had some people setbacks for, you know, um, mental issues, which we all go through in this mm -hmm. crazy year that we've had. Um, so mm -hmm. there has been some setbacks. We did hope to have it up and running by now, but we are, you know, probably still another couple months away before we open up something on Magic Box Interactive as, you know, that brand. Um, but everything that we do now is going to be, you know, as associate to, you know, this will lead to, um, you know, follow a link here. You'll find us here soon and just starting the, the promoting that way cool. kind of organically build up our uh fan base with the people who are already like our stuff yeah and well, then... see... go ahead no see because you know i thought about you know i could just rebrand the the twitch channel that i already have now but you know this isn't about a me this isn't about an i this isn't about insanity it's not about joy it's not about josh or, or karish or any of these other people that are in there this is about a we a collective we so we want to start something new that is all of ours and you know and the whole goal is you know we profit share whatever is made from this goes to all of the people that are working as a part of this team that's really cool as it should be as it should be. this is the way this is the <laughs> way absolutely well yeah um just looking at time and wanting to be respectful of everybody's uh, schedule uh why don't we uh shift gears and do some geek news sounds good that sounds good not it i'll go first yay uh because i i just joe passed on the uh the, the sad the sad part of this show to me <laughs> uh i have uh two two immoramiums uh that in memory help me out what is the word delicious hard in, in memoriam yes yeah. that <laughs> well done you said it thanks uh the first one is uh if you are of a certain age that uh, you remember uh wrestling in the 80s Yes. Joseph and I are most definitely in that age group. Um, okay. Insanity's there with me. All right. So you remember Hulk Hogan at his heyday, his mm -hmm. finest, early to mm -hmm. mid 80s, 1983, 84, WrestleMania 1, WrestleMania 2. What you going to um, do, brother? Who was his best opponent? Ooh. Uh, ooh. Well, my, you know, I, I will always say my favorite wrestler from back in that time is Macho Man, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah, brother. Um, <laughs> but I know that's not the right answer. But you get a point for knowing a wrestler. That's that's like a that's a thing on this show. Like, because I don't know Jack. So, well, so, you know, so my my last name is Hart. So ah. and I grew up in the oh. 80s. And okay. I'm also Canadian, as are Canadian? the Hart brothers. Canadian Hart? So hmm. You can imagine how many people I used to tell, of course I'm related to, to Brett the Hitman Hart. Ah. Trace it my, back far enough, you probably are. Right? My, my, my last <laughs> name is Hawk growing up in the 80s and 90s. 
Yeah, cousin Tony. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would go. I, I for some reason I want to say Paul Orndorff because I that was uh, like you they are had a absolutely pretty... correct. Paul Orndorff. Wait, Paul Orndorff has passed away at the age oh. of seventy-one. Uh, mm. Went by Mister Wonderful, and if you watched him in the eighties, dear God, this guy was literally yeah. Uh, the epitome of what the human body could become if treated properly. <laughs> uh, I had the, uh, the the pleasure of meeting this gentleman on on several occasions, and he is uh, he, he he was as uh, he as as you saw on TV. That's how he was in real life. He was very flamboyant, very self assured, and uh, he was absolutely a wonderful wrestler. Oh yeah, uh, he was uh, he was a hell of a football player too for the University of Tampa back in the day. Yeah, that he was. Um, he he spent most of his career being the bad guy, and he absolutely loved every minute of it. Uh, pretty much the uh, the epitome of his career was uh, when he uh, in WrestleMania the original. Uh, he was in a tag team match along with uh, Roddy Piper uh, against Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Yep. Uh, it looks like a pumped Nathan Fillion. <laughs> yes. So at, uh, at not 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 last restaurant as I had, but at the restaurant before the Iron Sheik came in to eat dinner once. Oh wow! <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll I'll have to dig through the graveyard of photos, but at some point I'll I'll send that photo to you guys so you can see it. That's pretty cool. So that is that is the first of my sad news. The second is uh, Charlie Robinson. Oh wow! If you uh, are again a child of the '80s and you watch Night Court, you remember him. Uh, he was the clerk who played oh, Mac yeah. on Night Court. He has passed away as well at the age of seventy-five. Oh damn! Wow! Uh, very big, uh, big career. Uh, just oh, yeah. didn't get. Didn't get the top bill, but that's okay. Um, along with uh, along with Nightcourt, he was also on. Uh, he did a lot of the the one hits uh, on pretty much everything that you could think of. Uh, Hill Street Blues, Saint Elsewhere, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Home Improvement. Uh, wow. he, he was just kind of everywhere. He's that he was one of those guys that you look and go, "Hey, it's him." Yeah, like the Tim Russ of that era. Yeah, and I take your geek point. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and 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 he was not the original uh, clerk, but they brought him in to 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 because he had good chemistry with uh, oh man, names fell out of my head. The judge, Harry, Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. Yep. Yep. And, and John and John Larica. Yes. Oh my god! Too funny. What? That's sad. He was uh. How old was was he said 75 75 we will always remember i have to find that again i have to go back and rewatch those oh they they that i mean there there are some some spots that you bump on now with the with some of the things but uh for the most part it's been you know what we rewatched a couple years ago we did. We went back and watched a bunch of them, and and as much as like the video quality is scary, the subject matter holds up. Nice. Yeah, that's and pretty Alf. cool. I need to go back and find Alpha again. 
Oh my god. Oh my. God. <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite show from back in those days to go back and rewatch is always The Wonder Years. Yes. Uh, love the wonder oh, years i will always yeah. love the wonder years that that's winnie, winnie cooper was my first Absolutely. crush ever hell yeah oh my god not quite my first crush that would be brooke shields uh <laughs> but but definitely was because i was in about middle school i think when when wonder years came on and mm-hmm. yep yeah. you, you can give me ellie may anytime <laughs> oh yeah. okay no you get a point for that that's that is a good point ellie may was up there i think mine was punky brewster punky brewster so i yeah, i rewatched blossom not long ago because i had forgotten how how many real subjects they talked about on that show yeah Her brother oh, yeah. being a recovering full-on drug addict you know what I mean? Um, then becoming a paramedic, and they they hit on a lot of really hard subjects in that show. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, it's it's funny, like going back through a lot of the shows in the eighties because they were so poignant on the shows having messages and things like that. That there are a lot of them that like un- until you go back. You know, we remember the characters, we remember the silliness, and we remember the impossibly clean houses where everybody ate breakfast around the table in the morning that oh nobody God. actually does. Uh, yep. <laughs> Unless you're watching Roseanne. <laughs> Unless you're watching Roseanne, exactly. You know, then we just remember the chicken shirt. Um, <laughs> so, Joy, be, you're being the youngest out of all of us, that I guess the show that would relate most to the ones that we're talking about would be Boy Meets World, which was actually the brother of the guy from The Wonder Years. Yes. And I, I haven't even seen that. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. She has blissfully missed the sitcoms. That's a, that's <laughs> I, okay. I truly have. I feel so old now. <laughs> 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 I said something online. I, I, I commented on, um, I think it was a previous guest of ours, Adam Whitlatch. He had posted something about Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And the picture was of press. And I said something like her being one of my, you know, Daryl Hannah in Blade Runner specifically being one of my first crushes and then realized how old that made me sound. And, and they were like, who's Daryl Hannah? Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, see, my first crush was Alyssa Milano, actually. But oh, I, was, I forgot about her. From, from Who's yeah. the Boss? Like, was yep, it from, yeah. from Who's the Boss? I was like, good Lord. Um, okay, so question- the show I watched a whole lot was Golden Girls. I still Question. watch Golden Girls. Go ahead. Yeah. Everybody, who's the boss? It was Mona. Oh, she Mona was. Mona. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I mean, he liked to pretend he was, but yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Mona was. Oh, the no, boss. it was definitely never going to be Tony. It was either yeah. Angela or Mona. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's be honest. It was Mona. It was. Oh, Mona. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure you've got more news than than people that have died. Yes, I I, I have. Okay. Um, so big, big weekend at the theaters. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to even bother to try and gloss it over. Black Widow kicked ass. Nice. Um, Eighty million dollars is estimated ticket sales in North in North America, and Ooh. the biggest uh, the, the biggest opening weekend since Rise of uh, the Skywalker. Wow. Um, which was pre-pandemic. So mm. eighty million dollar theater sales, considering that you could get. You know they're estimating somewhere around sixty million in Disney Premier access. Um, so combine those two together, you're looking at you know 
pretty good chunk of change for a first weekend. Definitely. Yeah. You got to think this is probably the first big all of us geeks want to see it movie that's come out kind of even though we're really not post-covid post-covid well scarlett johansson is now the the top paid female actress in the world i'm okay with this yeah i think i saw her (laughs) net worth is like 195 million now or something like that nice it's very cool good for her yeah So, so, Will, you, did you go to see it in theaters or did you get it at home? I have not seen it at home or in theaters yet. Uh, I believe that's going, that is going to be an in-theater thing. I have to go and see that on a big screen in okay. the theater. Because I, I need that. That's one of, this is one of those movies where I need the experience more than I need the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us feel that way. I'm I, I, when you said it kicked ass, I wasn't sure if you had actually seen it or you were just talking about the numbers. No, just talking about the numbers. I'm I'm gonna hold. Uh, I'm going to hold uh, hold my tongue on how it, what I think. And for I, what did we did we agree on like two months for for movie for movies? I believe that's where we're at. So. Or we give spoilers. Yeah. yeah. So come back I in two months and I'll tell you how I think. <laughs> I, 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 I smell a field trip. So, so I'm seeing the the global number, the worldwide on it is a uh, 159 million. Woo! So, and then you add that to the 60 for for premier access. That's uh, that check chunk of change. Yeah. No kidding. Very cool. This, just because Disney needs more money. Joy, <laughs> well, yeah. you're you're a better actor than ScarJo. <laughs> that is just that's straight up not true. But thank you. <laughs> Uh, I gently more, <laughs> uh, more Disney moot news. Um, okay. The House of Mouse has released a teaser image of Halle Bailey as Ariel. Really? And if see, you haven't, drop that out there. There. Let's see this. Look it up. Look it up. Oh, oh, she's beautiful. Isn't she? Isn't uh, isn't Ariel supposed to be a teenager, though? I mean, whatever. Mer people age differently than we do. Well, I mean, yeah, that's it. She's all of Harry Potter. I mean, you had people in their mid to mid twenties playing teenagers, so I'm fine with a 21 year old playing a 16 year old. Yeah, I was going to say 21 Jump Street, but that would have aged me again. Yes. <laughs> 90210. Oh, jeez. No, the picture is absolutely beautiful, folks. If you mm-hmm. get a chance to look it up, I highly recommend it. She yeah, it is great. gorgeous. Uh, it was taken off the Italian coast where the filmmaking has been taking, took place. Um, production was pretty hampered by COVID, but uh, looks like it's coming to, uh, coming to an, a reality here very soon. I totally have to take back what I said because for I, I in all honest to God, thought you said Halle Berry. And when uh, I looked at the picture, <laughs> that I just not... realized that what I said now makes no sense. That is Halle Bailey. No, too close she, to names. I was she... thought we were talking about some 60 or like a power of world Haley Bailey is now. Uh, okay, that was why you made the age comment. That's why I made <laughs> the age comment. Yeah. Ah, uh, see, now it makes more, much more yeah. sense. Yeah, I was like, she's not that old, but no, yeah. okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah, that picture is gorgeous. I, uh, I, I 
uh, zoomed in on it a little bit so I could actually see like her and the outfit a bit. And wow. I'm excited uh, Disney, for this. Disney has announced that Little Mermaid will feature new songs and her original from composer Alan Menken, who if he doesn't do any work for other anybody other than Disney. Uh, and and lyrics from Joe's new future best friend, uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda. Yep, yep. Woo! My my future my future best friend Lynn did some work on that. <laughs> I'm I'm super excited. It looks like it's going to be good. And my last piece of news for today, for this week, uh, this episode will drop on Thursday, the fifteenth, and on the sixteenth starts. D&D Live. Yes, sir. Uh, and they will be announcing an upcoming project on Friday, tomorrow. Uh, G4 confirmed that Wizards of the Coast will be featuring a third product at its D&D Live event this week, in addition to the already announced The Wild and the Be- uh, the Wild Beyond the Witch Lake. Good God, English is hard today. Uh, and Strixhaven, a... Uh, a Cerulean of Chaos. Good God. Did they make these words any easier to house? They do it just to, for, to annoy you. Just to annoy me. And guess what? They succeed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Wild Beyond the Witchlight is going to be one of their adventure sets set in, set in and around the Feywild. And Strixhaven uh, is a Magic the Gathering world uh, that is a, going to be a, another D&D setting. You know, when I first heard that, I was hoping that it was going to be about a certain little trash witch we know. Yeah. I was very upset that it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> from from what I gathered, uh, Strixhaven, it's uh, a curriculum of chaos. Um, is is I, I'm I'm not familiar with the Magic the Gathering setting, but uh, is it their version of uh, a certain wizarding world? I honestly don't know. That came out long after I stopped playing Magic. We might have to look that up. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's after I quit too. <laughs> what set did you quit at? The... I don't remember. Could I just remember it got too expensive and I couldn't keep up? <laughs> expensive that's... pieces of cardboard. Yeah, I was. And why did you stop playing Magic? I, I just didn't have the income. Money. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so D&D Live is going to be a two-day streaming event that will air on Peacock, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, it will not only showcase the D&D's releases for the remainder of the year, it will also feature five games mm-hmm. featuring celebrity players. Confirmed players for this year's event include uh, my future best friend, Kevin Smith. Yes. Uh, Tiffany Haddish, Deborah yep. Ann Wall, streamer Dr. Lupo. And WWE superstars Xavier Woods and, em- and Ember Moon and Patton Oswalt. Yeah, Many I have be inspired uh, by Wild of the Witchlight, which is set in the Feywild and involves a strange whimsical carnival. Uh, a little bit about the event coming up. Uh, it starts on Friday, July 16th at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, 12 o'clock Pacific. Uh, the kickoff will be with Becca, Micah, and friend of the show. B. Dave Walters. Ooh, B. Dave. Friend of the show, uh, B. Dave, is not only being one of the hosts, but he's also running a game and playing in a game. That and man the don't man's stop. Got, the man's got more energy than all of us combined, and I don't know where the hell he gets it from. Right. He's all over. And, and he's a father of girls, so. 
I, I, he's not human. He's, super, he's a superhero. He is a, a legitimate superhero. Seriously. <laughs> uh, so check the ND Live's Twitter stream. Uh, you can get a rundown of everything you can expect on day one and two. Uh, I'm most looking forward to the Dungeon Master Roundtable on the second day. Yeah. Because I think that will be an interesting thing to just watch. Fly on the wall style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. That's that's gonna be fun. I, I I have a I was going to cover this, so I had a couple other uh Seth Green will be there. Uh current Exandria Unlimited DM, uh Abria Iyengar will be running Abria. the table. She is amazing. She's gonna be running the table with Xavier Woods, Ember Moon, Mace, and Tyler Breeze. So she's got the uh she's got the wrestler table. Oh my god, that's gonna be I, she can that's do be that. Fantastic. Yes, she's totally capable of handling that um, chaos. And and here's a cool thing. Um four of the five tables are playing for uh benefiting uh various charities. Um oh. so nice. the Kate Welch will be running uh, a table with Kevin Smith, Jason Muse, Jack Black, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Lauren Lapkus, and Reggie Watts. They're going to be benefiting. <laughs> Kate Welch is doing it, so yeah, uh, they're going to be benefiting Extra Life. Cool. Um, Abria's table <laughs> is going to be uh, benefiting Connor's Cure. Uh, Amy Vorpal is going to be running the table with the uh, the the G four crowd. Uh, Theirs is benefiting the Pavlov Foundation. That's a that's a Sam Regal uh, favorite that helps uh, looks for cures and and helps the lives of children with cancer. Yep. Uh, B Dave's table will be uh, running will be benefiting Alice's kids, and that's going to be the Patton Oswalt. Uh, looks like this is a lot of comedians and actors. So B Dave, um, and then uh, there's no word on who who's being benefited by the uh beetle and grim sponsored uh table with b dave as a player b dave deborah and wall uh john Ciccolini will be the dm it's us it's benefiting us because we get to watch it mm-hmm. <laughs> you make a good argument <laughs> it's yeah. interesting i just had this thought as you were like going through that that this this kind of content and this kind of raising money for charity and stuff like that has replaced the old world charity phone drive variety shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in the 33rd it. hour of the uh, MBA Labor Day. Yeah, I love well, it. Ed McMahon is. To mention something about that, just a quick note SGDQ, does anybody know about that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's uh, Summer Games Done Quick. It's about a week of straight, just speed runs of video games. Or they raise money for Doctors Without Borders, and this time they raised $2.8 million. Wow. And it was all online, like, because they normally all get together at a convention center, but this year, because of COVID, they had to run it all online, so they had this massive squad behind them doing it, and yeah, they pulled off almost $3 million. Ooh, Wow, That's fantastic. See? Not only are we changing the world with role-playing, we are literally changing the world. Yep. Gamers uh-huh. go. That's the right. one thing I I I, I did uh, like I remember hearing like a, you know it's presented by G four and you know I knew it was gonna be on Twitch and YouTube. Um, it's gonna be on Peacock. That's uh, that's big. That's Comcast, NBC's 
streaming service. Oh wow! Like great. You know that that's that's, that's mainstream. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Hey, can, can I look at the dark cloud around the silver lining before before we continue? <laughs> could it, could of it, could course. It be that they're just so dire, desperate need of programming. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, maybe it's. <laughs> I, it totally a possibility, and I will I will take that. But they're also you know looking at you know we need content, and you know they see the numbers that you know the the streaming games put up, and yeah, I mean why this is not? being considered legitimate content now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That's the point. We are being considered legitimate content now, and that's amazing. Yeah. What else you got, Will? I got nothing. Except I feel really freaking old because Joe brought up the MDA marathons and I've worked one of those. And that's I'm cool. Freaking, I'm freaking old. That's that's. I'm gonna give you a gig point for that. I think that's freaking cool. Yeah, really yeah. that is cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'll go. I guess. Okay. Uh, I just have a couple of things as usual. I'm always kind of behind and stuff like this because I do too much. Um, so speaking of uh. Will's future best friend, Kevin Smith. Yay. Um, the action figures for Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe revelation has uh, come out. We were, uh, we're seeing a pre-order for that. Um, and they're pretty damn cool. They are... They look enough like old school... The, the old school figures. I'm going to put it up here in the chat, and, and I hope you know. And I highly recommend uh, people looking them up because um, it's there. We go, but uh, they're there. Okay, nice. Wow. They look they look good. They they're not so far away uh, from the original characters that the old schools are are not identifying with it, but they've been cleaned up and updated a bit. Um, Mattel has revealed and opened online pre-orders for its action figure line based on the character create the characters of Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe, the Netflix animated series. Uh, the first wave of figures includes He-Man, Mossman, Skeletor, Evelyn, uh, Spygor, Beastman, Tila, the English thing, Will, it's your fault, Tila, Man-at-Arms, and a nine-inch tall Skelegod, and a fourteen-inch long Battle Cat. Yay! Who doesn't need a Battle Cat? I need a Battle Cat. Wow! Look at the articulation on. I had a velvet-covered Battle Cat when I was a kid. Yes, geek point. We, uh, I think we it have was a on our bank. Yeah, Go I ahead. think on our, our on our on our wall of geek stuff, we have uh, the the velvet. Uh, Panthor? What was the, the Skeletor's riding cat? Yeah, yeah, in our, our, our geek cabinet there, we've got one of him. Oh, wow. um, I think it was yours. Um, yeah. yeah. Joe and I got together and realized that we have a whole lot of action figures between the two of us, so we have an entire shelf that is eventually going to become a collage wall that is all our old action figures. Um, okay, so these are all available at Entertainment Earth. And are priced somewhere between twenty three ninety nine to forty ninety nine, depending on the figure. Uh, each seven inch multiverse figure features at least thirty points of articulation, and and loads. The word loads is being used. Loads of accessories. The official breakdown is as follows: 
do I really want to go into this? Okay, uh, the Masterverse Core Assortment 7-inch He-Man, Skeletor, Mossman, and Evil Lynn action figure. Masterverse Skeletor, a 9-inch action figure, which also comes with an alternative pair of hands, one weapon, and one flame accessory. Uh, Master's Ultimate Battle Cat is a 14-inch long action figure with detachable armor and helmet that once removed reveal the character's alter ego cringer. Uh, and there will be, there's, and there's more to come. Um, so yeah, the packaging is even cool looking. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it when they nail packaging. That makes me happy. Those attention uh, to detail. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When they actually think about stuff like that. Um, it's very cool. Uh, yeah, Evil Lynn, like, has two heads. Very cool. Yeah, so I highly recommend uh, looking this up and taking a look at all the different um, accessories and stuff that's coming with it. And uh, from what it said, there's also more to come. So, good job, Kevin. We are excited to see more. When does it, When does the freaking show come out? We've talked about July. this. July. July 23rd. Okay, so like in a couple of weeks? What's today? Mm-hmm. Today's the 12th. So, yeah, real soon. We'll have to... Do we get to talk about it? We can't talk about it because we can't spoil it. We can tell everybody it's cool, though. That is true. Okay. Uh, okay, what else do I have? Um, what did I have? Where did my thing go? I lost it. Oh, speaking of action figures. Apparently it's an action figure heavy day. Uh, Christopher Lee's Dracula and Peter Cushing's Van Helsing get sideshow collectible statues. And again... They are really starting to nail it with uh, action figures and the faces on action figures uh, and all of that stuff. Um, it's not like it used to be where they like vaguely resembled. Oh, yeah, that's why I wanted to show you guys the picture because me talking about it does not do it justice. No, this looks like pic- like like they're just dressed up in costume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Sideshow Collectibles has announced new status, bi- new statues based upon the characters uh, from Hammer's classic Dracula films. The figures created, the figures feature Christopher Lee's Dracula and Peter Cushing's Van Helsing. Um, Dracula stands over 22 inches tall, and Cushing's measures 21 and a half inches. Both of them include tailored outfits that are created with real cloth, and the details are absolutely incredible. Van Helsing comes complete with his crucifix, and Dracula comes with his ring and his crazy bloodshot eyes. Uh, those, are, those are not toys. Those are wall hangers that you put up on a shelf and you stare at. Yeah, these are, and, and they, they made it a point, uh, if you notice, in the copy to call them statues. Yeah. They're not action figures. They're not toys. These are rev- reverent statues. Uh, embodying these incredible actors and their work. Um, so again, folks, go look it up. They are really gorgeous. Yeah, that's that's anybody's collection would be happy to have that in it. Um, so there's that. And then, of course, we got a little little xenomorph action going on. Um, Noah Howley shares his upcoming Alien series is a story of inequality. Um, so we're getting some teasers about an Alien series. And we've talked a little bit about this on the show. Um, several months ago, it was announced that Noah Halley was developing an Alien series for FX. Uh, he will write, direct, and executive produce the show with original Alien director Ridley Scott, who will executive produce. 
The series is said to be set not too far into our future, and it's the first alien story set on Earth. We already knew that the show would not involve Sigourney Weaver's character Ripley, but in a recent interview with Vanity Fair, Halle confirmed that in saying that it's not a Ripley story. Um, so we're going to get lots of xenomorphs, we're going to get them on Earth, we're going to get them in a little bit of the future, but not Ripley. Uh, but the pictures that are coming out so far are pretty damn cool. Um, so it looks like progress is going forward and we're going to have that. I don't see a release date yet, um, but the project is moving along. So I wanted to just kind of discuss that a little bit because I know that last that we talked about it, it was more like it was just kind of a they were kicking it around mm-hmm. and it looks like they're doing it. That so, is super cool. Yay for Xenomorphs. Because um, Xenomorphs. That makes me happy. Anything like that usually makes me happy. As long as it's not the alien at the end of Resurrection, I'm good. Is that it? Uh, uh, and that is it for me. Um, I, I know, I know uh, Joy is getting short on time. Um, so uh, we will... I have news, but uh, Joy, uh, if you would like to share information where people can follow you uh, online, if you would like, uh, you can share that now. We will... Bump the, the whoever won the geekiest uh, so that you can plug since uh, I, I you know don't want real world to interrupt people getting to know you. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I the easiest place to find me would be uh, on Twitch at Little Joy Loaf. Um, and I plan to pick it back up probably after August after all the craziness with family reunions and whatnot dies down. Cool, cool, and uh, we will definitely have that in the show notes. Um, so, but we just want—I just wanted to make sure that we let you get in uh, where people can find you before you have to run off. Well, and and thank you. I, I, it was really nice, like getting to listen to all of your guys' stories and uh, just seeing a piece of who you are. Uh, it, it was a pleasure. So, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Joy. We really enjoyed having you. We're gonna probably have to get you on solo so we can get to get to know you better, uh, especially as you, you know, once you take your foray into game mastering. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, on yeah. that note, I I will I will see you all on a later note. You got all it. All right. Take care, hon. Bye. Have a good night, Joe. Bye bye. Hey, okay. so I got some news. Okay. How much would you be willing to spend on an unopened, factory-sealed video game from 1986? I sold one for one million and a half dollars. That depends on the game. I, I we sold one for 180 bucks once. I, so, I saw the news that you were talking about. So a sealed Legend of Zelda from 1987 um, went went gold. At, the uh yeah it's the 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 legend of zelda uh went for at auction eight hundred seventy thousand dollars you could have got it at gamestop for 72 cents Just um, this uh this was done through heritage auctions um and it broke the previous record which was an original super mario brothers sealed copy which went for six hundred and sixty thousand dollars in april so oh good lord yeah <laughs> holy shit. wait did you not see the super mario 64 one that just sold i did not what? so a million and a half dollars 
Super Mario 64, <sighs> completely perfect. It blew the Zelda out of the water. I just read it the other, actually, oh, let wow. me, I'll send you the link. I found it on BBC the other day, or today holy, I think I read it. Holy crap. You know, we, mil- we, 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 we talk about, we talk about like the Gen X generation and, and, and the older, the, the elder millennials, you know, they, they market stuff to us because we have disposable income. Um, they don't have quite have that disposable income. No. Uh, wouldn't mind yeah. having that, but I mean, yeah, here, here's the link. Yeah. So Mario 64 in the original box, completely perfect. Still in like the plastic, like sealed case a million and a half at auction. Wow. Okay. You know what? Sweet. I, I, after the NES, I did not have a, a new video game console until I bought my own PlayStation two. So, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, we need more money. Yep. <laughs> Please share the show. <laughs> um, we, we need more money. Yeah. Um, Wrong business. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of, you know, if you're going to start your own television series and work yourself into being a minor character in it, uh, wouldn't you also want to make sure that you had an action figure done? Well, yeah. Of course. May I introduce you to Trapper Wolf, Dave Filoni's character from The Mandalorian, who now has his own Black Series action figure. Yes! That's an ultimate flex right there. (laughs) Do you want to see the worst action figure I've ever seen? It's horrible. Oh, no. (laughs) That's not okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've never called a guest that before, but you bastard. (laughs) I saw it today when I was scrolling through <laughs> memes and I was like, is this really a thing? And just so you guys know what I'm talking about, it's a never ending story. It's called the Swamp of Sadness playset in its R tracks, the Horrors of Sadness getting oh. like in, oh. in, in, in like half in the mud. Oh. It's the saddest toy ever. Uh, I almost the, what kind of a parent would you be to give that to your kid like on Christmas or something? <laughs> Honey, oh, that's oh. like that was a couple years back. They were doing the uh, one where it's like it was the the uh, aunt Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen, and it was just like a thing of ash. The, the, oh, oh, that, oh awful! Yeah, I, saw, yeah, like, I, I saw one for for Bruce Wayne's parents where they're just laying dead. Oh God! Did you um, see the quote on that never-ending story toy? It says, "Artex yeah. the horse and sadness included." Yep. Uh, the Dave Filoni figure uh, is uh, available for pre-order He's so uh, on Hasbro Pulse for twenty six ninety nine. Okay, that's and doable. Com- and will be coming out this fall. That's uh, a good looking toy. I, yeah. I kind of want Dave stoned. Filoni. Yeah. Well, he always looks stoned. <laughs> he looks stoned and a little bit sinister. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is my camera on? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we call a callback, yes, yes. kids. <laughs> yeah, Comedy, so, all about timing and reputation. Uh, so yeah, it's a it's a six inch figure, which I think is bigger than than what our my Star Wars figures were back in the day. Yeah, no, ours the ones that I think what are they four inch? If that um, four inch, yeah, yeah. So he uh, he has his own figure. So uh, I'm kind of 
you know, I totally can see as a kid, if you'd like, hey, you're going to do your own Star Wars thing. It's like, I'm going to have a goddamn figure, too. Hell yeah. As I was always told, it's not the size of the action figure, but the movement of the arms. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's also about, a key point, sir. It's all about the articulation. Absolutely. It's all about the points of articulation. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, is anybody interested in the Dennis uh, Villanueva Dune movie? I don't want them to ruin. Uh, no. Yeah, I'm nervous about that. What are they doing now? Um, well, it, it, it's done. It, it's ready to go. Uh, it, is, uh, it is a planned two-movie uh, situation. So... Having read the book Dune back in high school, it, you know, there's a reason why the David Lynch director's cut is like, I don't know, 10, 12 years long. Um, but Dennis, <laughs> but uh, Dennis Villanueva's Dune has had, you know, it, it was originally supposed to, I think, come out before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit and, you know, everything got screwy. Uh, and then um, they originally had set the date to be December 18th of 2021. And then they moved it to October 21st. Well, they have finally settled on a date. Uh, it will be October 22nd. Um, and they are only releasing it in theaters. They will not be doing the dual release and HBO Max, uh, as this is brought to you by Warner Brothers. Uh, so I guess they, if, they, if you want to see the, the movie, you're going to have to go to the theater to see it. Uh, I'm putting in the chat one of the pictures from said movie the film stars uh uh oscar nominee timothy chalamet rebecca ferguson oscar isaac uh josh brolin stellan skarsgård dave batista steve mckinley henderson zendaya chang chen david desmalchian sarah duncan brewster oscar nominee charlotte rambling jason momoa and oscar winner javier bardem um, a hell of a cast yeah. Oh, I have a question about this. Yes. This is like a. I've never really been a Dune fan, but this is like post-apocalyptic stuff, right? It's it's set way in the future. Um, like I'm trying to like, you get the idea that yeah, the whole Padishah Empire and everything is has some ties to Earth, but it is so far into the future that like Earth is not even like a mention. Right, but I mean, but my my problem with this picture is they have uniforms. That is the uh, still suits worn by the Fremen of Arrakis that you might know better as Dune. So what that that outfit uh, collects uh, the moisture that you sweat and urinate and breathe out. That's why they have the nose tubes. Um, and through some sort of process of sci-fi science. Uh, provides you with water that you're able to drink. Uh, there's usually like a little tube that's off to the side that you pull out and drink. Um, so, so take your geek point. <laughs> so, like <laughs> the the so basically, one of these noble houses is given possession of 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 Arrakis because Arrakis is the source of spice, which the spacefaring guild needs to bend space to make intergalactic travel possible. The sleeper must awake. Um, like I said, read this book senior year of high school. Watched the David Lynch movie way too many times. 
missed the sci-fi series the sci-fi movies that they did but uh yeah it, it is it's one of those book i like the book at least is one of those where you realize at a certain point frank herbert was uh indulging in some rather interesting chemicals it's <laughs> uh, a good way to put it mm-hmm. oh and this is one of those books like i don't even know how anyone like attacks it like there's at least a good 30 page treatise on the indigenous religion of the of of Arrakis and how it ties to you know the the Ben Gesserit uh order and everything it's 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 a book but yeah uh, you so, know he was a world builder oh oh he was <laughs> yeah maybe not not you know put together the best stories but he definitely built the world mm-hmm. and my last one uh kind of goes to uh Yours and my, I, I don't know about uh, Ferret and Insanity, but, uh, or Will, the old mechanical typewriter. I, I, I know I used to watch the Bozo the Clown show on WGN, and that was like one of the top prizes for throwing the ping pong ball into little cans was you got a Smith and Corona electric typewriter. And I always wanted one. Um, but Lego... Uh, has uh, from their Lego Ideas group a kit to build a mechanical typewriter. Oh, that's cool. That's freaking cool. The, I will post. I will show you guys the picture. The, I got a typewriter when I was a kid because my dad owned a junkyard, <laughs> so that's he came across awesome. one and he's like, "Here you go, kid. You can type stuff out now." And I was like, "Oh, this is the coolest thing!" And I just sat there forever. That's oh, yeah. awesome. I loved my grandfather's typewriter uh, growing uh, up. We have two in our collection now mm-hmm. uh, because we're both fascinated with them. Um, Look so the desi- at this! So the design is based on a typewriter used by Lego's founder, Ole Kirk Christensen, along with an instruction wow. booklet. The kit comes with a letter signed by Thomas Kirk Christensen, who is the fourth generation of the family and currently the deputy chairman. The letter comes in 43 language, 43 languages, and is scaled to be threaded into the typewriter once you built it. There are, a wow. bunch of cust- there are a bunch of custom bricks to form the body and keys. The keyboard uses Technic levers and gears for movement. Uh, the kit has some great details like a fabric ribbon, vintage keys, and uh, a callback to Steve Guinness, the Lego Ideas designer behind the initial kit. Uh, it looks like a fun and challenging build for experienced folks, uh, which will give you a beautiful display piece. Uh, the Lego Ideas typewriter uh, is $199.99, 2,079 pieces. Uh, it is 4.5 inches high, 10.5 inches wide, 10.5 inches deep. Uh, and yeah. And there is already someone on Macari selling one for $289. As a course. Of course. Uh huh. That is really neat looking. That is very amazing. much so. Uh, yeah, there's another, just another oh, wow. angle. Yeah. Uh, so cool. That's so, so like crisp and clean and everything. So I was looking at it though, and I was like, "There's no numbers. <laughs> it's all just letters. It's just the alphabet. Oh, well, they yeah. can only fit so much in, I guess. Yeah. So or it would have been a lot bigger and a lot more expensive. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they, if it's if it's only you know, 2,700 and something pieces. What's another nine more pieces, right? Or 10 <laughs> more pieces. 
Oh, so yeah, it's I, I saw that and I was just like, that is so cool. And it kind of reminds me of that one typewriter we had in the shop. That blue one? Yeah. The, uh, the, it was uh, that was the Smith Corona Coronet. Yeah, Smith Corona Coronet. That was it. Yep. Yeah, sold that one for a little bit of money. Yay. Yep. Um, so that is all my news for the week. I managed to get through it without an in memoriam. So I think I broke my streak of like three or four shows in a row. There you go. That's why you pass it on to Will every now and again. I honestly, I, I had, I missed those. Uh, and, and I definitely would have wanted to cover the, the Paul Orndorff one. I was a, uh, especially, you know, growing up down here and, and watching him and, and, and wrestling for, you know, most of my childhood, he was, you know, as, as Will said, he was a, a really great heel. So they talk about wrestling. I go to sleep. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know check. what to do. Okay. <laughs> Until yes, you ever need to <laughs> knock Kayla out, just start talking about wrestling and I'll just go right out. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the big board, see, see what it, it looks was, like. It was an interesting competition this week. Uh, not as, as cut and dry as it usually is, um, and then very exciting. Uh, but pulling out in front uh, with nine geek points, our uh, winner today goes to Farid. Nice. Hey. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> um, keep my streak alive. Streak of two. Right. There you go. Um, oddly enough, and interestingly enough, uh, Insanity and Joe uh, tied for second with six points. Why? Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Third, third went to Will with four, and Joy and I uh, tied at the end with three apiece. Everybody got some love. Yeah, we did good. We did real good. Well, uh, Farid, as you might recall from your last appearance, it is your duty, right, obligation, and privilege to let folks know where they can find you online. Sure. Um, you can find me at uh, on Twitch at Farid World Builder. Um, I haven't been doing much streaming lately as I've been in creation mode and trying to get ready for all the MBI stuff, uh, which very soon you'll be able to find us over at Magic Box Interactive. Um, when I have a link for that, I will send that out to the masses through all the social media platforms. Yeah, please let um, us know as well so we can push that for you. Thank you. I definitely will. And um, I just want to say thank you guys again so much for having us on. Um, it's always a pleasure, and uh, I always love seeing every Thursday when you post about what your new episode is going to be in the Discord, and, uh, and I go check it out. So thank cool. you very much for having us, and um, you know, just a quick shout out to the people from our group that couldn't be here: uh, Josh Box, Karish, uh, Jeremy, Reaper, um, D and D, Randy. Um, I don't think I'm missing anybody else there. Am I insanity? Not that I can think of right now. No, just a uh, shout out to all the people that weren't able to be there, but are a big part of everything that we are doing. Very, Very cool. cool. And, and we, we definitely appreciate uh, one, you reached out to us um, and two that you do provide us with our, our space on your uh, beautiful discord community. Thank you. Insanity. Where can people find you online? Well, they can find me at twitch.tv slash insanityplea. Um, I stream pretty regularly lately. Uh, there's a game on Wednesday nights at 7 you can catch. It's a, one of my role-playing campaigns I'm running. 
And you can find me at www.insanityplea.com. Cool. Okay, uh, next up is Joe. Where can we find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Demorgus. That's D-E-M-O-R-G-U-S. You can find me, uh, well, you can follow this podcast across all the social medias at The Geekiest Pod. Uh, and if you find yourself going, hey, I really like that show. I would love to have some merchandise from that show. You can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash The Geekiest Pod and pick up what I like to refer to as the five-headed logo or the hashtag geek point uh, merchandise, uh, t-shirts, mice, uh, mouse pads, uh, phone covers, anything you want. We pretty much got it. Um, you can find me as the DM of the Not Safe for Wizards 5th Edition Actual Play podcast, where I continue to torment my players every week. Um, sometimes you can find me behind the counter at our thrift store, Secondhand Goddess, but I'll let Kayla do the the big news on that. And uh, I think that's that's about it for where you can find me, JK. Uh, Will is next. Okay, Will, sorry. You can find me at uh, Geekiest Will on Instagram and Twitter. Oh, cool. KK, you're next. Yo. Okay. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Hawk underscore Kayla. You can find me on Instagram at Geekiest Kayla. Um, you can find me at our awesome thrift store uh, in downtown Davie. Uh, when Joe is not there, I am. Uh, 4148 Davies Road. Uh, if you cannot get to the store in person, you can always check out our online presence. Uh, our website, secondhandgoddess.net, will take you to uh, our eBay stores as well as uh, our t shirt shop, um, which is sporting all sorts of interesting t shirts these days uh, and, and more to come. It seems I get to, I managed to add one a week or so so far um and it's going pretty good we're we're getting some fun variety uh going we pulled the audience a couple weeks ago and uh the audience decided that um easily distracted was going to be the next shirt uh so that one is up there now um and we also have a couple of shirts for the spicy community uh we have a rigger and a rope bunny shirt up as well um, and when I say shirt, I mean shirt, long sleeve shirt, tank top, polo shirt, coffee mugs, all the jazz uh, is up there, as well as, of course, the secondhand logo one as well. Um, you can find me playing Jade on the Not Safe for Wizards 5th Edition D&D Actual Play podcast. Um, and, of course, as always, we are working on more stuff. And I think that's it. Excellent. Um... You know, as we mentioned, uh, we talked with Farid and Insanity uh, about a year ago as, as the pandemic was starting. Uh, and for a lot of the places, pandemic's still going. Um, but you can, you know, seek out vaccination. Please get uh, vaccinated. Yeah, get vaccinated. Yes, please do. Mm-hmm. I got my second one a couple of days ago. Woo! Yay! Yay! Um, but, uh, you know, please get vaccinated. Uh, there are variants out there that, uh, you know, the efficacy of the vaccine is still, you know, unknown or untested. So, hey, keep the mask on. Uh, 
maintain your social distancing, wash your hands, as people would say, don't be a dick. Um, you know, the, 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 the quicker we get everyone vaccinated, we can, you know, those who can be vaccinated, the quicker we can get back to a more normal life. Um, and as always, this podcast believes that Black Lives Matter, trans rights are human rights, and love is love. We thank you for listening this week, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye, guys. Leave the world a better place than you found it, kids. Hey there, listener. Before we get out of here, just want to uh, ask you to do us a little favor. Um, two little favors. One, if you go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review there. Five stars would be great, but hey, we're leaving that up to you. And second would be share the podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you think would enjoy a deep dive into geek culture. Uh, that would definitely help us. Thanks for listening. The preceding program was brought to you by Armored Bear Productions.